0: And today we're going to continue to pray, Lord, bridle our tongues. Yesterday we talked about the damage of the sin of gossip, lies, and slander. We've talked in previous podcasts about the destructive nature of allowing envy or offense to arise in our hearts. And today we're going to continue to examine the things that we as Christians ought not to say as we look at the sins of murmuring and complaining. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, Keep thou foot when thou goest into the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that what they do is evil. Therefore be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou art upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. My friend, it is good for us to remember that God is the one who walks in ultimate wisdom. And I think that we waste our time in His Praying soulish and even devilish prayers out of our emotion and our self-righteousness. The things that we think are right. The way that we feel things ought to be. Or how we want them to be. And we lay these demands before the king. But the Bible says to say nothing before God hastily. That it is better to hear than to offer the sacrifice of fools. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it says that the way to identify a fool is someone who speaks a lot of words. They have a lot to say. But they have not taken the time to seek the Lord and pray that they might hear what He has to say. We've got to remember that He is God and we are not. And when we come into the house of the Lord or into that place of prayer, it's better to hear, to listen for His voice, for what He has to say, that we might move in His wisdom than to be led of our own emotions and end up offering the sacrifice of fools. In the New Testament, it says that by the blood of Jesus, we become the priest of the new covenant and that as the new priest, we are to give spiritual sacrifices. It talks about a sacrifice of praise, sacrifices of prayer and worship, sacrifices of fasting and obedience, even sacrifices of preaching and spreading the gospel. But all of these things can be a sacrifice of fools if we're just spiritual. Speaking, But we haven't taken the time to stop, pray, seek him and listen that we might follow his leading. If we want our prayers, our preaching, our teaching and even our everyday speaking to be backed up by the anointing of God and the power of the kingdom then we need to circumcise our tongue. We need to identify the things that we ought not be speaking that are grieving the Holy Spirit of God and start saying only what He gives us so that He can endorse us and the words that He's speaking through us. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear but slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the ingrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self my friend if you only hear the word of God but do not obey it the Bible says you're deceiving yourself you're not saved by it however it is not our place to force people to receive it it is our place to preach it and let them take it or leave it Jesus didn't force the rich young ruler to give up his goods he laid the truth before him and allowed him to make the choice. We all have to decide to pick up our cross and follow after him but we ourselves need to choose to be a demonstration of the righteousness of God not our own righteousness not what we think is right but what his word says is right to demonstrate those peaceable fruits of righteousness, his very character with our very life. However, everything that we do can be uprooted in a moment and we can tarnish the power of our testimony if we do not guard what is coming out of our mouth. In a moment of frustration or of envy or of offense, we can say things that will grieve the Holy Spirit. And cause him to depart, taking the anointing with him. My friend, we've got to learn to recognize this and deal with the sins of our mouth. The Bible says that life and death resides in the power of of the tongue, there is great power and anointing. The very rhema word of the living God comes forth through the anointed man or woman, the power of preaching and teaching and prophesying and deliverance and prayer and warfare. Nearly all of the power of the kingdom enters into this present world through the mouth gate of the saints of the living God. But that gate can be shut if it is polluted because James said that dirty water and clean cannot come from the same spring. It will be one or the other. What is the source that we are allowing to come out of our mouth? The fruits of our lips are an evidence of what is truly planted and growing within us. So let us examine this closer that we might uproot every thorn and vine that chokes out the fruitfulness of the children of God so that once we have cleaned that garden out, it can begin to produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness that God can endorse and send forth as a mighty and powerful army of the Lord in this earth to preach, teach, demonstrate and lead others to the truth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saves you and changes you and gives you a whole new life, a new heart, a new spirit, and a new tongue. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the things that ought not to come Out of our mouths and then tomorrow we'll talk more about the things that should be coming out of our mouths with power and authority and anointing once that we have dealt with the hindrances and blockages that are preventing that river from flowing because we understand that we should be praying daily. We should be praising daily. In fact, my friend, this is where it should begin because the more you pray and praise and worship him, the more he's gonna deal with the sins within. And once you get to that place where the weeds have been plucked out and he is flowing through you with power, you better stay on your knees daily because when you stop praying and praising, you will start changing again. You're either pressing towards him or you're backsliding. There is no such thing as a stagnant Christian. You're either walking with him or you're falling away from him. Jesus said it's like a vine that's been grafted into A tree it's either drawing from that root daily and causing it to produce good fruit or it's disconnected and it's dying anytime the branch is not drawing from the root it is actively dying and Jesus said that when this happens it will wither and be fruitless therefore will it be cut off and cast into the fire we're either growing or dying people I want to be ever growing never at a point where I think I have got it all I know everything. There's nothing more to grow. There's nothing more to produce. There's nothing more that I need to learn from you, Jesus. There's nothing more that I can draw from this root. What a lie of pride from the enemy. If you are not abiding, you are dying. And I think one of the quickest ways for us to realize that we are dying and disconnected and not drawing from the right spirit is to watch our mouth, the things that are coming out. Are we speaking ill of others behind their back when we used to pray for them? Are we murmuring and complaining when we used to be praising? Because the true saint of the living God will praise God even in the hard times. But the hypocrite and the counterfeit will complain to him, even in the good times. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, the fruit of our lips is the proof of the seed that our heart truly believes. So we ask for a new heart today, God, and we expect that our words will be changed. In Jesus name, when our heart becomes circumcised and the flesh cut away, the words that we say will demonstrate it daily. And when we see that language starting to change, let it be a warning sign, a red flag that we need to get on our face before God. And start working that soil again. Because something has taken root that should not have. And we need the Holy Spirit to expose it. To dig it up. To correct it. To cut it off. To prune us. To circumcise our heart again. The parable of the sower talks about the seed. Which is the word of God or Jesus Christ himself. That is planted. That truth that is planted in soil. Which is our heart. And that seed grows into a tree and begins to produce good fruit. And we understand what the fruit is, those fruits of the Holy Spirit, that good character of our great God that demonstrates who he is in this earth and causes us to walk in righteousness and obedience. Yet once this tree is producing fruit, it says that thorns can come up and choke it out so that its fruits are cut off and the tree begins to wither and die and then jesus clarifies that these thorns or the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world when we take our focus off of eternity and and put it on the here and now on what we want on what we think on what we feel on what's easy on what's pleasing on trying to build our home here instead of in eternity remember my friend this world is not your home we're only passing through make your decisions for what will be best for you in forever not for right now But when we put our mind on these things, it begins to plant these seeds that take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and put them on earthly things and we begin to lose our fruitfulness because we will get frustrated when we don't have the things that we want. We will become offended when we can't feel the way that we want to feel. We will get arrogant and prideful and even hateful And manipulative when things don't go the way that we think that they should in order for us to get what we want here and now. We've got to recognize that this is a seed of the enemy. The Bible says it's devilish and does not come from above. Anything that sets your eyes on the ease of right now of this life is not of God. We see this happening to the Israelites in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And the passage goes on and on that they are remembering the things of Egypt and complaining because they don't have the ease of it anymore God gave them all that they need in fact the passage continues as they actually tell God all we have is this manna from heaven which they did not want because it was not pleasant it was from God's own hand it was God's provision it was God's will and lot for them it was all that they needed but they didn't want it because it didn't please them And so they began to complain and murmur until eventually they rejected him and God had to judge them for it. My friend, it provokes God to anger when we complain and murmur against the very things that he has ordained. And this is a very dangerous thing, my friend, because the Israelites had a habit of doing this. They complained about the meat that they had in Egypt. This would be tangible to God delivering us and bringing us into a place of relationship with him and communion with him where he feeds us from his own hand and revelation. He pours that manna from heaven out upon us daily, but we begin to complain because it's not easy. It's not always pleasant. It sometimes prunes us and cuts us and demands things of us. It's not always palatable. It's not always what we want, what we think and what we feel, but it's always what we need. It's always perfection because it's coming from the one who is perfection. Yet they were complaining that they wanted the things that they had before in Egypt. In other words, we complain that we want it the way it was before we were saved. Or before he gave us this new revelation or this new assignment or this new gift or this new calling. We want to go back to the way it was because it was easy. In other words, let me translate. I'm more concerned about pleasing me than pleasing my king. It's a dangerous, dangerous thing, my friend, because God gave them what they asked for. They cried out and so God said, you know what, go back and tell them that I'm going to send them quails. All the quails that they want. And you want to know something interesting? I know this because my dad raised quails for many years. This breed of quails still exists today. They're literally called Pharaoh's quails. Pharaoh quails. God sent them a flock of Pharaoh quails. Pharaoh represented the devil, the ruler over Egypt, that old enemy, that oppression. They cried out for the meat of Egypt because the meat of heaven was not good enough for them. They didn't want it because it didn't taste good. It wasn't palatable. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pleasing. So many people are given revelation from the very hand of God, but they decide it's too hard. It's not easy. It's not what I want. Give me what I had before. I'll take the meat of Egypt. I'll take the false doctrine. I'll take the gossip. I'll take the lies. I'll take the compromise. Send me the Pharaoh quails. And God obliged. God literally said, let them eat it till it comes out of their nose and they will choke upon it. They died eating the meat of Egypt. God let them have what they asked for in their complaining. They murmured against him long enough that God let them have what they asked for. He turned them over to their own lust. This is so dangerous, my friend. We need to be willing to come before the Lord God Almighty and say, Lord, you teach me. You feed me. And even when it's not easy or pleasing, I will take it. I will consume it. I will let it change me, nourish me, grow me, because anything else is only going to spiritually kill me in the end. We will choke on our sin. Because that we follow the leading of our own flesh. We need to circumcise our hearts. And examine the words of our mouth. So that we recognize when we are turning into murmurers. And complainers. And pleasure seekers. And doubters and heartbreakers, because my friend, we see the anger of the Lord that was kindled against them for this sin, but we've got to recognize that it was rooted in the brokenness of God's heart. He had poured out to them. He had shown them. He had fed them. He had led them, and they had dared to cry out to him that it wasn't enough. They rathered what they had in Egypt. Oh, Lord, help us to see that we not be found guilty and to recognize that when our mouth starts changing, it's proof that our heart is straying. We need to get back on our face and start praying. Lord, help us to never want the easy way to want to please self, but to be willing to cry out, Lord, give me your manna, your revelation, your word, your truth daily and let it change me In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Covetousness is one of the roots that will draw you in the wrong direction. When you begin to envy or covet what somebody else has, you will then begin to attack them and believe all the lies of the enemy that he's speaking to you against them. The Israelites did this against Moses continually. They constantly attacked Moses, though he was suffering and sacrificing to bring Bring the word of God to them and to lead them through their wilderness. He was trying to help them, yet continually they tried to attack him and even kill him because of covetousness. They were jealous that God was with him and spoke to him, but it was because they were not willing to pay the price that Moses did, to walk in humility and obedience and to lay it all down. Because it says in the book of Hebrews that Moses could have had the world. He could have had all the riches of Egypt. He could have been the new Pharaoh, who the leader of the world at that time. But it says that he esteemed The suffering of Jesus Christ to be of greater treasure and worth than all the riches of Egypt. He had sacrificed. He had given up everything that pleased his flesh to be obedient to the voice of God. And God counted it unto him for righteousness and trusted him with his commissions. But those who were not willing to sacrifice or to give up their own will and pride and pleasure continually were envious of Moses' relationship and it drove them to speak against him. It drove them to sin with their lips, which drove God to anger against them. My friend, we've got to be careful of this. Let no conversation come out of your mouth that is rooted anywhere in covetousness it says but be ye content with such things as you have for he hath said I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me in other words, we need to have enough faith in our king to trust that if we love him and are serving him faithfully and humbly, then he has got us exactly where we need to be. And he's given us exactly what we need to complete the mission that he's assigned us to. And if we're faithful in that little thing, then he'll make us ruler over more. We can't be covetous of those who've already walked that walk and gone through the wilderness before. Remember, Moses had his 40 years in the wilderness before God used him to lead the Israelite through theirs they wanted to lead and be in his position but they had not gone through the seasons or the lessons that he had been willing to already endure they didn't see all the suffering they just saw the glory and they wanted it for themselves we cannot be like this my friend we've got to believe that God is just he is faithful and he sees and when he is ready to reveal us he will until then we need to serve him humbly Don't let the enemy plant seeds of covetousness or envy that will cause you to attack those that God has sent. His anointed least of all for the word of God says, touch not mine anointed. One of the main roots of murmuring and complaining besides offense or envy is a ungrateful heart. Continually God called the Israelites ungrateful Children, They were not appreciative or thankful or grateful for all that God had done for them, for the miraculous ways he had led them through and had this personal and close relationship with them. It broke his heart that they moved in such ungratefulness. And as ministers, we've all experienced this, where we have poured into people, we have given of our energy, our time, our health, our family, our finances, our blood, sweat, and tears we've poured in for years into people, and yet in an instant... Because of ungratefulness, they turn against you. They begin to murmur and complain and gossip and lie and slander you. My friend, remember all that the Lord has done for you and remember the people that he did it through. They paid a price for you too. And for ministers, when this happens to you, don't allow the enemy To plant seeds of offense in you, do not return that arrow. Get on your knees and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you and come against you and stop the cycle in its tracks. My friend, we need to learn to recognize the tactics of the enemy and stop being easy targets. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 18 says, In everything give thanks. Be thankful for everything. That means the good and the bad. There's a reason for every season. And sometimes what we think is an attack of the enemy is really the pruning of the king. He's cutting things away that need to be cut away so you can be more fruitful, so he can use you. He wants you to be faithful in the little thing so that he can make you ruler over more. And for that, you have to endure Some things that are not pleasant. We've got to be willing to be faithful even within our own household. The Bible says that a man's enemies even will be those of his own household. Your own family will stir up against you, but you need to stand in faithfulness and truth and love and pray for them and fight for them. Don't allow them to sway you from your faith. You stand on the word of God because we love God more than any man. And our goal is to please him, not man. But in the end, we still need to reflect him. So while we stand firm for him, we need to still stand in love for them not compromise that's not what I'm talking about but humility compassion and self-control control the words that you're saying don't allow poison to start coming out of your mouth and polluting the ground that you have been called to save it says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you quench, not the spirit and despise, not prophesying, biblical prophesying for the most part usually comes as a correction or to help you to get back on track because the prophet's purpose is to bring you back in alignment with righteousness so that you can be presented as a pure and spotless bride to Christ at his returning. So in this, when he's saying to be thankful for everything because this is God's will or else you will quench the Spirit, do not despise prophesying, he is letting you know that we need to be thankful even for the correction. And if we are not thankful for the correction of the Holy Spirit that comes from the mouth of the prophet, then we are actually quenching the Holy Spirit. What you're really doing is you're refusing to let him prune you. In the book of Hebrews, it says that no chastisement for the moment seems pleasant, but in the end, it will produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness in you. The chastening of the Lord that typically comes forth by the word of the prophet is not meant to condemn you. It's meant to perfect you. It's meant to help you to grow by pruning you, showing you the things that need to be cut away so that you can produce more fruit fruitfulness in the end those peaceable fruits of righteousness because the Holy Spirit's job is not to make us happy the Holy Spirit's job is to make us holy so be thankful for those who love you enough to allow themselves to be used by the Holy Spirit to prune you to correct you to to help to direct you into righteousness that you might be found holy before your God a bride Blameless, spotless, white, and ready for his return. Jonah allowed the cares of this world to overtake the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until he came to that point, when he was at his lowest, that the scripture says his soul fainted within him. And, and of course, we understand that the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion. He finally gave up caring about the things of this world, what he wanted, what was easy, what was pleasing to his flesh. And he stopped letting that direct his path, he said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Then immediately God got him back on track to walk in the calling and destiny that he had for him. And in coming to realize this in Jonah chapter two, verse eight, he says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy Jonah had finally come to realize that when we trust in the Lord even though it's not always easy or pleasing in the moment it is a mercy in the long haul it is for our good now and in eternity but he couldn't come to terms with that until first his own soul or his own will mind and emotion had been broken killed crucified laid down so that god's could come alive in him when we listen to the vain lies that our soul or our emotions are speaking to us of how we deserve to complain to murmur to hate to disobey god to cling to pride to whole offense to ignore obedience Or whatever your particular case at a particular time may be. You forsake your own mercy. By choosing to focus on and listen to and be led by your emotions or your soul. Which is the part of you that says what I want, what I think, what I feel, I want it easy, please me. When we allow ourselves to be led by this. Which is so easily influenced by the devil and even our own pride. We are choosing not to listen to and be led by the spirit of God. When you choose to listen to your soul or your emotions, which are always self-centered around what you think, what you want and what you feel. It is causing you to stand in opposition to what God wants, what God feels and what God knows is best for everyone involved. This serves only to prevent the goodness of God's plan from manifesting in our lives and his mercy from doing its perfect work both in us and through us. As we allow the lies of our vain emotions to keep us in a place of torment, pride, rebellion, unforgiveness, and error. What your soul wants to do will be what is pleasing to you, what is easy. It will be like the meat of Egypt, but what God is telling you to do will usually be what you don't want to do. It will not be easy because we must crucify the flesh daily in order to be led by the spirit. This is why Jesus said that the way to life is a narrow path and few are they that Find it, But the easy road is the wide road that leads to destruction. And many there be that walk there on. So ask yourself, is what you are allowing to lead you, leading you down the easy path, the pleasing path, or the path of obedience? And what comes out of your mouth when correction comes to help you to stay on that narrow path? is a red flag as to what your heart truly believes or how much it is deceived. Because if you start speaking against those who bring correction and direction, if you begin to slander those that God is blessing, if you have covetousness or envy against those who were willing to humble themselves to go through the lessons, if you get upset because you see some that are willing to crucify the flesh and march on down that narrow path, then it's proof that there is something stirring in you because deep inside you know that you are on the wide path and your heart really wants to be over there where the glory's at. But you don't want to have to pick up your cross and follow after Christ. So instead you stay and murmur and complain while you compromise. My friends, you will be miserable all the days of your life. And then you will face judgment at the end. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of repentance. Cry out upon the name of the Lord. And get back into right standing. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says. This know also. That in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Right. They'll want what pleases them. More than what pleases God. Covetous. Boasters. I want you to recognize how many of these things. Are sins of the mouth. They are descriptions. They are fruit. They are the evidence of ungodliness. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, an ungrateful heart is a fruit of ungodliness. Unholy because God himself said be ye holy as I am holy therefore if a person is unholy it is evidence that they are on the wide road they're following the leading of the wrong spirit without natural affection truce breakers false accusers These are all things that should not be coming out of the mouth of someone who truly has the Holy Spirit. Examine the fruit today, my friends, so that you know if you need to repent. Incontinent, in other words, having a lack of control over the things that come out of your mouth. Fierce, someone who gets angry easy. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors, Do you betray those that trust you? Your friends, your loved ones, your Jesus? Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If you choose what pleases you and what's easy to you over what the Lord has been showing you, It says that you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. And anyone who is like this, it says from such turn away, have no part with. They are wicked and they will lead you astray. They will cause you to walk down the wide road the wrong way. And if this is you yourself, then my friend, today is your day. It's time to fall on your face and cry out to the king. Repent, turn away from it and let him cleanse you. Change your heart, fill you with his spirit and put you on the right road. It's not an easy path. He never said it would be. He said it would be death. He said it would be persecution. He said it would be crucifixion, but it would be worth it in the end because this world is not our home and we're not living for what's easy right now. We're living for eternity. So examine the fruits that come out of your mouth to know what road you are walking We have to understand this because there is a very wicked doctrine of demons that is so prevalent today and will become more and more prevalent according to the word of God as we grow closer and closer to Christ's return. And it's a message of ease and pleasure. It's a self-centered, self-concerned, self-pleasing message. Gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's satanic at its root. The only commandment in the satanic Bible is do as thou wilt. In other words, do what you please. If it's easy for you, then that's what it should be. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is deny yourself, count the cost, pick up your cross and follow after my example. It wasn't easy for Jesus, but it was worth it. It's not going to be easy for us. But it's worth it. Count the cost. Pick up your cross and follow after him. And all the while, let the words that come out of your mouth demonstrate his love, his patience, his meekness, his humility, his kindness, his temperance. Show forth faith in what is coming. Because Jesus said, if you try to save your life now, you'll lose it in the end. But if you're willing to lose it now, you'll save it in the end because my friend, everything that you're willing to give up to gain some stuff or some ease or some comfort or some acceptance right now, you're going to lose it all in the end. Everything's going to burn. It's going to all be ashes before him. But if you have to give it all up right now that you might gain Christ, then it was a very small price to pay because it's all temporary anyway. First Timothy chapter six, verse three says this. If any man teaches you otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to his doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about with questions and strifes of words, wherefore cometh envying, strife, railings evil surmising perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds destitute of the truth supposing that earthly gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself but godliness with contentment is the only real gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness. These are what all fruits of the spirit fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. My friend, in this does Paul make it clear that the same thing that Jesus did, the seed that is planted, those vines that choke out the fruitfulness of that tree and cause it to start to produce these fruits that manifest out of the mouth or the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for ease, pleasing the flesh, wanting to build your kingdom here and taking your eyes off of things eternal, the prize that is Jesus Christ. When we want it easy here, when we want to build our kingdom here, we start making wrong decisions. We let the wrong things things take root in our heart and we start speaking forth things that are displeasing to the Lord. It's not about what we can build here. It's about what we're believing for there. So Lord, today we pray that you circumcise the words that we say by circumcising our heart, that you pull out any root of covetousness or envy or offense and that you show us if we have set our eyes on things temporary on material things on trying to have an easy life on trying to be pleased right now on entertainment on being liked on career, on family, on social status, on anything other than eternal life in the cross of Jesus Christ and delivering that message to the lost. Lord, help us to refocus ourselves to count the cost and pick up our cross and follow after you, to be willing to lose everything in this life that we might gain Christ in eternity. It's not a high price to pay, my friend. It's all temporary anyway. Oh Lord, help us, I pray, from this day forward to recognize any time. Any word comes out of our mouth that doesn't reflect the good fruit of righteousness that we might stop and immediately start examining our heart for what the root of it is. Have we allowed covetousness to set in? Materialism, a desire for social acceptance, a fear of being rejected, anything that might choke out our fruitfulness because that our eyes or in the here and now god help us to hear it in our spirit speak it loud and clear this world is not your home don't give in to it lord i pray by the anointing of the spirit of the living god that you break the spell of materialism Over the people of this nation. And the lie of setting our eyes on material gain. That has arised in the church of Jesus Christ today. Expose it for what it is. It is a seed of the enemy that grows roots of sin. And compromise and chokes out the fruitfulness of the people of God. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell Lord. I pray that you reveal it. To your people that they would not fall to it, but that they would see it for what it is, the riches of the kingdom of God are not the riches of men, and when you provide finances, it's to do the work of the kingdom, not to buy expensive purses and mansions, and even in the small things, Lord, help us to recognize the roots of compromise. Because I've seen it so many times that when a person takes the easy path and they give up the callings that are on their life because it got hard, a covetousness sets into their heart and they become envy against those who were willing to count the cost and pay the price and they begin to attack and slander them. Lord, help them to see the root of it, that they might repent. And start praying for their brethren again. Let us not be guilty of the sins of the Israelites in the wilderness. That murmured and complained. And fought continually against the very ones that God had called to save them. Help us to be thankful and grateful for all that you have done. And all that you have done through the ones that were willing to obey you. Give us tongues that speak life and not death, blessings and not cursings, pure wells, clean water. Teach us the lessons, Lord. Purify our hearts and our mouth gate today that tomorrow we can begin to move in power with the things that you call us to say. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church Podcast.